break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 11th of August, 2021. Very happy to be back here with you, and we got plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about corporate tax avoidance in the United States and how it's probably worse than you thought it was. We're going to be talking about Brazil, where yesterday the parliament rejected moves by President Bolsonaro to mess around with the elections. But before we get to that, we're going to be talking about what's really going on with breakthrough cases of COVID-19. Cases of people getting, being hospitalized and dying from COVID-19 despite being vaccinated So-called breakthrough cases are making news all around the U.S. and understandably causing some serious worry. The basic bottom line is this. The Delta variant is a serious and growing problem, but if you are vaccinated, it is not yet at the level by which you should have undue alarm regarding your own health. If you are unvaccinated, you are definitely at serious risk, and the absurd lack of proper public health practices in many states is only making the matter worse. In terms of the risk factor, one thing that's important to keep in mind here is that vaccines were aimed primarily at reducing serious illnesses and hospitalizations and only secondarily infections. So the most important statistics to look at when measuring vaccine efficacy as it concerns the Delta variant are hospitalizations and deaths. The New York Times did an analysis of 41 states and found that in those states, as few as one tenth of a percent of and as many as five percent of those hospitalized with the virus in those states and as few as two tenths of a percent and as many as six percent of those who have died in those 41 states were, quote unquote, breakthrough cases. Looking at some of the hot spots. Mississippi has seen a 121% increase in cases over the past 14 days, a 151% increase in hospitalizations, and a 107% increase in deaths. Now, out of that, though, only four-tenths of a percent of hospitalizations and six-tenths of a percent of deaths are breakthrough cases. In Louisiana, 1% of hospitalizations and 1.4% of deaths are breakthrough cases. Looking at some other states, in California, four-tenths of a percent of hospitalizations and five-tenths of deaths are breakthrough cases. In South Carolina, those numbers are 1.3% and 2.6%, respectively. In Vermont, where nearly 80% of the population is fully vaccinated, only seven-tenths of a percent of hospitalizations are breakthrough cases, but 5.5% of deaths are, which gives you a sense of how deadly the virus really can still be. Here's another way to look at it. In Texas, you're 185 times more likely to be hospitalized from COVID if you are not vaccinated and 85 times more likely to die. In Mississippi, you're 40 times more likely to be hospitalized and 28 times more likely to die. In Georgia, you're 161 times more likely to be hospitalized and 87 times more likely to die if you were not vaccinated. So as you can see, and as you've no doubt heard, the biggest risk is for 
those who are not vaccinated and vaccinated people still have very little chance of having serious COVID complications or dying, but not zero. So it's not as if you can relax your guard fully, which speaks to another important point. The more unvaccinated people there are, the more likely even vaccinated people are to be a breakthrough case since the possibility of exposure increases as more unvaccinated people get it. And also vaccinated people, or so it seems, can be carriers. And since most vaccinated people are likely to have mild cases that they may not even think are COVID, they can also be spreaders to the unvaccinated. And these two issues are why the CDC has returned to advising mask wearing, even by vaccinated people, indoors in public places where you don't know if everyone is in fact vaccinated. This is why the issue of limiting mask mandates at the local level makes so little sense. Stopping the spread of transmission is obviously key when case levels start to rise. And as long as significant chunks of people are not getting vaccinated, it makes sense to take those kind of measures. And hence why two judges in Texas have placed a temporary restraining order on state laws banning local mask mandates and why more legal challenges are on the way. Makes very little sense to just throw away a well-known proven public health tool during pandemics when the pandemic is still going on. So end of the day, we are in a very concerning situation where the virus is still rapidly circulating and potentially mutating even further. And that has the possibility to make a state of affairs possible where it mutates to the level where vaccines become ineffective. We also have not even close to enough information on how long immunity really lasts and whether a third shot may be required. And so unchecked circulation of the Delta variant alone poses more risk over the medium term. The easiest way to address this, of course, is to increase vaccinations. In the U.S., that's not really an issue of supply. On the world level, we are still living in a situation of vaccine apartheid, though. Accelerating vaccination all around is really the only solution out there to curb the virus. Yesterday, as Brazil's Congress debated whether or not to change the electoral system to the liking of President Jair Bolsonaro... The president assembled a ragtag-looking military parade in front of the presidential palace in what was almost certainly an attempt to intimidate legislators. While the military claims that the parade was already planned, just a few days ago, Bolsonaro was openly claiming in the media that he can act outside the bounds of the Constitution. And when you add that to the fact that he openly admires the period of military dictatorship in Brazil that reigned from 1964 to 1989, well, it isn't that difficult to get the message. That being said, legislators were not intimidated by this military parade and the proposed change to the Constitution failed. Bolsonaro and some of his allies in Congress had proposed changing the electoral system because they claimed it was vulnerable to fraud. They have not presented any evidence that it is, in fact, vulnerable to fraud, and nor have there been any credible claims of fraud in the entire history of Brazil post-dictatorship. Bolsonaro wanted the electronic voting machines they use there in Brazil to also print out a paper receipt in the event someone challenged the result. As the main opposition and largest overall political party in Brazil, the Workers' Party, pointed out, however, the printed ticket would still be based on the exact same software. So if someone could hack the machine, as Bolsonaro is implying, they would hack the whole process. When you requested the printed ticket in the recount, it would simply reflect the already hacked result. But again, there's no evidence that the votes have ever been tampered with. But even if there were, this would not, in fact, be a solution to that. The real issue is that Bolsonaro is just trying to create doubt about the election process itself, since every poll in the field shows him losing handily to his likely opponent and next year's election's former president, Lula. Bolsonaro has become increasingly embattled over his COVID-19 response, which borders on genocidal, corruption charges of all kind, and frequent threats to use extra legal force to get his way. 
Bolsonaro has increasingly leaned on more established right-wing parties with long-term ties to the nation's business elite to try to shore up his position, as he's seen as something of a wild card even by right-wing forces who share many of his views. Increased cost in food and energy are causing increasing hardships among working people in Brazil, and the right-wing policies of Bolsonaro and the far-right parties that hold the balance of power in Congress are increasingly unpopular all of which is raising a dangerous specter around next year's elections that rather than cede power to the left-leaning Workers' Party, Brazil's elites, with Bolsonaro at the core, may try to return to the bad old days of dictatorship. The Institute for Taxation and Economic Policy has released new research building on its finding from earlier this year that 55 profitable corporations paid no federal taxes in 2020. Their research details how over the entire period of 2018 to 2020, 39 profitable corporations paid no taxes and another 73 profitable corporations paid less than half the statutory corporate income tax rate of 21%. They note that the 39 companies that paid no taxes, quote, as a group, reported to shareholders that they had generated $122 billion in profits during that period, end quote. They go on to note that, quote, among the 73 corporations that paid less than half of the statutory rate are household names such as Amazon, Bank of America, Deere, Domino's Pizza, Etsy, General Motors, Honeywell, Molson Coors, Motorola, Netflix, Nike, Verizon, Walt Disney, Whirlpool, and Xerox, which all paid effective federal income tax rates in the single digits. Some of the particulars are notable here because some of these corporations actually had negative tax rates at the federal level because they got tax refunds related to various tax breaks that are really oftentimes tax dodges. Duke Energy, for instance, over the 2018 to 2020 period had a negative 15% tax rate and got over $2 billion in tax breaks. FedEx, which had a negative 1.7% tax rate, got $1.8 billion in tax breaks. T-Mobile got over $2 billion in tax breaks and had just below a negative 1% tax rate. They also, for the record, had $11 billion in profits from 2018 to 2020. Amazon had a 4.3% tax rate, well below the statutory 21%, and they also got about $7 billion in tax breaks from 2018 to 2020. Bank of America had a 3.9% tax rate and got $13 billion in tax breaks over that period. General Motors had a three-tenths of a percent in terms of their tax rate and got $3 billion in tax breaks. Overall, the 73 corporations that paid less than half the statutory corporate tax rate over three years received a combined $67.5 billion in corporate income tax breaks during that time. And further, the 39 corporations that paid nothing over three years received $29.7 billion in corporate income tax breaks. Just to put that in perspective, the backlog of repairs for public housing in the United States is $70 billion, or $27 billion less than the combined tax breaks given to these corporations. Well, that's the U.S. for you, where we let the lowest income residents live in squalor so that the most profitable corporations can line their pockets. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. 
It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Ha, ha, ha.